This episode is brought to you by our affiliate Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash moontower to learn all about it. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, back to the uh, Moon Tower Business Podcast. Today, we're speaking to Alejandra de la Torre, who is a owner of a state farm agency in Round Rock. Alejandra, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Joseph? Doing well. Thank you for, for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your story. Um, I, I think that what we'll start out with is uh, asking you to kind of tell listeners how you got involved in the insurance industry. You know, every time I get asked that, you know, the one thing that I think about is nobody goes to school or nobody grows up saying, hey, mom, I want to be an insurance agent, right? <laughs> it's just, you just get into it. Um, so for me, it's kind of, I was working at AT&T and I, and I had been in leadership at AT&T for seven years in the international department. I work with international business and um, I lived in El Paso and they were going to close AT&T and I did not want to be in El Paso where there's not a lot of leadership positions available looking for a job with all the other 37 um, leadership people from AT&T. So at that time, State Farm had opened up a call center in El Paso and I jumped ship. You know, I got hired. They actually, since State Farm was new into the call center, and I feel like I was born in a call center, they were looking for someone that knew how to run a call center. So they actually reached out to me and I jumped ship. Um, and, and I told my parents at the time, you know, I'm just going to be working here until I find something better. Nice. And, now, and I've been with State Farm for 19 years now. Wow. Wow. So yeah. you got involved in, in, uh, in El Paso. In El Paso. Yeah, that's where I started in El Paso. That's where I'm from, born and raised I'm an El Paso girl. How, did, uh, how do you like El Paso compared to Austin? Well, so let me tell you this. All the time I was in El Paso, I just wanted to leave. Because I want, you know, El Paso is great. It's very family oriented. But I wanted to see what's out there. I just, I always wanted something different. So when I got the opportunity to move to Austin, I took it. And, you know, now that I'm in Austin, I love Austin. But I miss El Paso. And I know if I ever went back to El Paso, I would miss Austin. And when I'm in Austin, I'm going to miss El Paso. So, so that's where I'm at. You know, I, I think it's great to raise a family in El Paso and the food's awesome. That's cool. So when did you come to Austin? 2003. Okay. And, and yeah. then, uh, and so you were still uh, working with uh, State Farm at that time. And when did you go ahead and decide to branch out and start your own, your own uh, office? So I started... So what ended up happening is actually I got hired by the FBI as a special agent. So I was going to leave State Farm in El Paso to to go into the FBI. And when you when you join the FBI as a special agent, you can't you cannot stay where you live. So I was going to you know move you know with them. Um, but what ended up happening is I had a brain tumor, and um, with that they didn't my doctor didn't release me to go into Quantico because you have to go uh, you know work out, you know, you have to do your boot camp in Quantico. Sure. So I didn't get the, so I didn't get the doctor's release. So that kind of was very depressing. And at that time they were interviewing 
moved to Austin for a to work in the life department, like a life underwriter. Uh-huh. And that's when I moved. And when I was here, I decided I want to go into agency. And I got hired in 2006 to go into agency. Okay. And can you kind of explain what that means to, to listeners? So with State Farm is a little bit different than other insurance companies. You can't just say, hey, I want to be an agent and you get an office. It's actually a really hard process. You know, and I joke because I got hired with the FBI, which was a year long testing and kind of same thing with State Farm. And it was easier for me to become a FBI agent than it was to become a State Farm agent. Wow. And that's just because of me. I I am not like the book person. I hate to sit down and study something and have to test. So with State Farm, what you do is you say, hey, I, I want to be a State Farm agent and you have to go take a test right away. If you pass that test, then you're considered eligible to become a State Farm agent. And I and what I hear is 65% failure on that first test. Oh, wow. So if you do fail that test, then you have to wait a year until you test again. So I, te- I tested, I passed, and then you get like a coach. They, you have to write a business plan. You have to do your, you know, your market research and you kind of have to go into interviews. So once you have that business plan, if it gets approved and then you did well on your interview, then you get put in the pool, meaning that you are in the pool to be a candidate. Okay. That was like a six month process, just all that to be a, to be in the pool. Once you get in the pool, you get notified of the openings. So let's say I want to go to California and there's an opening in California. I submit for that position. If you get an interview, that's great. Depending on how many people submit it, some people don't even get an interview. Then you interview. So then you interview with other people and then they select you if you want for that position. So, um, you know, there's been people that are on the pool for four years and they just haven't gotten a position. I was very fortunate. Like, I got in the first time I got the pool and then I got interviewed and I got the job. So I, I got lucky, but there's people that literally have been there for four years and still haven't gotten. Some. Interesting. Stepping back a little bit. Um, what got you interested in, in uh, getting into the FBI? You know, it's, um, it's funny. I'm going to say this, but I think I think like a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like I know I, I've, I've always been, you know, I worked at, at state at um, Pet Boys when I was 19. And every time someone was messing with the books or trying to do something, I, I'm the one that would always find it. And I just decided like, this is what I need to get into. And I got hired. I actually got hired for white collar crime, terrorism and kidnapping. That's what wow. I was going to focus on. So, you know, sometimes I, I was so, I can't tell you how depressed I was when I couldn't get that notice. Like I literally was just like, I don't want to do anything else. Everything else is stupid. Like I kind of just felt that way. But now I feel like it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. Cause I don't know how I could handle kidnapping and terrorism right. and the things that I could have seen and the things that I, I just, I just don't have, I'm just not that tough when it comes to that things like white collar crime. I could do it all the time. That would have been fine. I, you know, but um, I just, I just saw there was a posting for the FBI and I just said, I'm just going to try it. I know I'm not going to get it. And then I ended up, you know, at the end of the year, there was 90 people from around the United States and all 90 of us, they sent us to do a panel interview uh-huh. and then to do a, a report and all that kind of stuff, a written interview. And out of the 90, there was only 21 and, and me and a, another guy from El Paso were the part of the 21. 
So we, we, we felt really proud about that, but then I just couldn't go. So it was just, I just wish I would have known that I wasn't going to go at the front, the beginning, you know, and then I could have just been okay. But after taking all those tests and doing all those interviews, and then I got certified as a translator. So I actually was able to work as a translator for three years later. Oh, wow. With the FBI, but you know, you could only work for three years if you're not going to be a special agent. So. So, so what kind of stuff did you work on translating? So they, it was actually kind of different because it was, it was like news. It was like news reports from different countries, you know, like Cubans and Brazilians and the, you know, it's a little bit different. And I just had to write it in Spanish and write it in English. That's all I had to right. do. So I only, so, I only got called like three times. And gotcha. three- so, so was that challenging to do? I mean, I, I like speak and, and uh, write Spanish, but like, I feel like, Whenever I had to like try to translate something, like I can do it, but I'm really slow at it. I was slow at it, you know, but the point, what they want to know is that they want to know what they're saying. Okay. And, and people that don't speak Spanish, like you would understand it, but people that don't speak Spanish, they don't understand how we can understand Brazilians and how we can understand Cubans and how do we understand Puerto Ricans. And I'm like, it's really all the Mm -hmm. same thing. There's a few words that they use different, but we can always tell what it is. And to them, they're just amazed with it. But, you know, it's, it's not that hard. I mean, translating it, if you're asking me something, I have to tell it something's a little bit harder than having to write it down because you have time to fix it and to make it look nice and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you got started with, uh, with the state farm, uh, being an agent and kind of having your own office, what kind of steps did you have to take once you were kind of already approved to like get the office up and running, uh, stuff like that. So once you get approved and you get hired, you actually go through an eight month program of just of teaching you know so you you do your business plan but that's not the business plan you're going to use once you go through that eight month you actually really do a good business plan you get taught product knowledge you know I, I worked at State Farm but I was in the operation side so it doesn't mean that I really knew the product at the time product knowledge um, anything that's HR related um, and I kind of already knew all that stuff because I've been in leadership like for a long in different companies for for a long time, so I kind of knew the HR part of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, we hired people that were not part of State Farm, and they just came from other businesses. And for them, they, you know, it's hard when you don't when you don't work in corporate America. You know, they just they just want to do things like you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, and you know they just want to. But there's a lot of things that can go wrong with when you do that kind of stuff. So it's really an eight month program, and seven weeks out of that, you work with an agent. Okay. And, and you have to hit certain goals when you work with that agent. Um, so at any point, you can get fired. And it's really stressful because, you, you know, people go out for their seven weeks and they can't write anything or, you know, it's harder and they don't get a contract. Mm-hmm. So then once you do those eight months, you get graduated and then you get like two months to open up your agency. So you find your location, you find your lease, you start hiring people, you start buying your furniture, you start doing all that. And then you just wait for your grand opening. Um, and then you're under a one-year contract. So you have to also do good that first year before you get your permanent contract. Gotcha. So um, it, stepping back a little bit, like finding a location that, that you're going to open an office, what kind of things did you consider? And what, what can you talk a little bit about the process of finding a location and, yeah. and what was best for your, for your firm? Yeah, so for my situation was the age, the office that I was taking over was getting split between three agents. Because you're not, you get a little bit of a book, but you're never going to get a full book. Like you get a little bit, but it's not enough to, um, 
pay for anything. It's just a little bit of a book. So there was one office, that agent was retiring and they split the book in three. And there was three agents. I did not want the office. I just didn't like, really to me, it was just all about phys- what it looked like and where it was located. And um, I was new to Austin at the time. So I had only been here like two, two years. So I still didn't know it very well. And I lived in Cedar Park and my agency was in South, South Austin. So I had to, they tell you where you have to stay. And I always wanted like a little house, like just a little cottage looking house. And that's what I wanted. And I found it in South Congress. I didn't even know how busy South Congress was. I just liked the location. I just liked the little house and it was a mile away from my other agent. So they approved it. That's all it needed. And I wanted a storefront. Like I didn't want to be in a building. Like I wanted a storefront. So I just think that was like the best, you know, without really knowing, I just think that was the best decision that I made to, to move the office there because I got a lot of walk-in traffic. That's what I was going to ask. I'm sure people, I mean, it's, it's, it's so close to downtown. There's people just walk in from the drive by and see the, the sign or whatever, right? Yeah. And the other thing that helped me is <clears throat> right in front of me, like on, on the mortar mile, which is the 35 freeway, it's a bunch of uh, car dealerships. So I'm literally right behind them. Okay. And, um, you know, what I did is I went and I talked to everybody and I told them, listen, if you're selling a car at eight at night and you need insurance, call me. I'll come at any time. Nice. Literally for the first two years, I had no life. I could not go out for dinner because I got a call, you know, but I built the trust with all the car dealerships. Everybody was sending me customers and, um, you know, those customers kept buying more cars and, you know, and if one salesperson moved from that dealership and they went, went somewhere else, then they got that dealership to start sending me cars. So it ended up being a really good decision for me. That's, that's a really cool hustle. I mean, I, I bet there weren't a lot of people that were going to them and saying, hey, I'm available, uh, you know, late, late in the evening if you want to. Yeah. So they had other companies offering them like $50 a lead and we can't pay for them. But they ended up, you know, I ended up like being there, explain, I couldn't go to the car dealerships. I can't be, they have to call me and they have to come to my office. So, you know, they would come to my office, but we were so close. So it wasn't so, it wasn't hard. And, um, you know, explaining the coverages, plus, you know, State Farm is the number one insurance company in all of the United States and Canada. So not only were they getting an agent that was there for them, they were getting the number one insurance company. So it was, it was kind of like the perfect storm coming together. And it was working really well for me. So when you become an agent, do, do you have to obtain some type of license or, or yeah. permitting or something? Yeah. So you, yeah, we have to do the general lines and that's the hard part. Like for me, that was the hard part. I mean, I passed all my tests, but the fact that I had to study is hard for me. <laughs> so, you know, you do your life and health, which is, you know, your life and health, your property and casualty. Um, we actually had to do our financial service. So I have my license six and 62 that we had to do. And then we'll be taking the 65 this year. So it's like a financial advisor license. So, yeah. And then we did at that time, we had to do our mortgage license as well because State Farm is also a bank. Uh So we, we, you know, we have checking mortgages, financing, refinancing, auto and home and all that. So we had to do all those licenses. Gotcha. So then, um, so your first office was at South Congress. And then at some point, um, you opened an office in Round Rock. Is that, and that's where you're at now, right? That's where I'm at now. Yeah, this is my second agency. So it kind of went like, we did very well in South Congress. We were number eight 
in um, life insurance in the whole United States and Canada. We were number 22 in auto, United States and Canada. So State Farm comes knocking at your door. You know, we want you to go to leadership. We want you to train the future start State Farm agents. So I did that for five years. I managed that department for six states. So we trained for six states. So I was traveling all the time. And then I wanted to come back to agency. Uh, and then the opportunity came in Round Rock. So that's where I'm at right now. What Can you talk about your experience on the road at uh, teaching? How did you, did you enjoy that? I enjoyed the teaching part. I did not enjoy the um, traveling part. Listen, I'm a female. I have the big curling iron, the little curling iron. I have the big blow dryer. I have the iron. I have cases and cases of makeup. And I can't just put one pair of pants because it needs the different shoes for the week. So I hated the traveling, you know, living out of a suitcase. Yeah. But I actually did enjoy because I got, you know, I, you know, like St. Louis is a second home for me now because that was one of them. I got to know Kansas and, you know, all those places around there and we would just travel. So I I enjoyed that. But um, I I don't like having to do it all the time every week. Right. Right. You know, every week. So when you uh, when you came back and opened up the office in Round Rock, did, I mean, did you feel like it was a little bit easier, the process of kind of finding the location, getting the furniture, employees, et cetera? Was it a lot easier this time around? Uh, the employees are never easy. That's like, the, if you ask any employer, I bet you that's the number one um, problem is the employees. Not problem, but challenge, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say problem, it's a challenge. Um, I knew the system, I knew the product, so that was easier. What was hard is that, the insurance industry has changed a lot with that period of time that I was gone. Mm-hmm. So insurance has become very commercialized now. Also, a lot of the laws have changed, you know, with uh, people that are not uh, U.S. citizens being able to get driver's license. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been hard because, you know, I did get the Latino customer. I got a lot of the Latino customer and they're great at referring customers. So um, a lot of those current customers I couldn't get. Um, anymore. I could do their life and I can do that. If they have business, I can do all that, but I couldn't get their auto. Um, but the, the positive side is that now there's a lot more Latinos from different countries versus just, you know, South, right. It's the South American. Right. So I currently have a lot of Colombian and Venezolanos mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they, they get their driver's license and everything right away. Cause they're asylum seekers. So they get a, a lot of that done really quick versus, you know, our friends from the South who a lot of them, you know, need, need to go through a long process and some of them never get to, to get all of that. So, um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of more challenging things. Um, you know, I'm not the number eight like I used to be, but we're definitely moving towards that way and hopefully we can get there sooner than later. That's awesome. Um, can can you kind of go into a little bit um, some of the some of the different products that you offer and some of the, I mean kind of I, I don't know a lot about insurance coverage and so yeah. what kind of what kind of things I mean I'm, the most common in my mind is like a, a car or a house right. but like can you talk about the like the different products that you offer and the different uh, things that you offer insurance for? Yeah. So. Um, so we do almost everything, right? And, and obviously, the, the, the one that everybody knows is the auto, the home, or the renters, life insurance. So we do all that. I specifically, my, my team does a lot of that. I specifically like to focus on business owners 
And the reason for that is because depending on the business you have, everything's different. Everything's a different policy, right? Like you can't get a spoilage coverage if you're a contractor, you know, and that, you know, the florist would want that. So I love helping them out and make sure that they're insured correctly. So we help them out with business insurance. We help them out with fleet, you know, if they have a lot of autos on their business, we help them with group life insurance. We help them with disability, short-term and long-term disability. And then also I love to help them with their retirement plans, you know, their financial what do they want to do and how, when do they want to retire and what do they need when they retire? No, most people are just saving. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know how much they need when they retire. They're just saving and hopefully it'll be enough. And, you know, we, I tell them, listen, we, we sit here and talk to you until you're, until we're blue about what happens in a premature death, right? What are we going to do? How are we going to take care of it? But what happens if you live a long time? That's another issue that we need to talk about. Do you, are you going to have enough money? Right. You know, and, and so we talk about that. Um, A lot of them, we help them with their uh, group benefits for their employees. And then their employees have some, then we sit there and we talk to their employees and then their employees have a a whole set of questions. So I'm a really hands-on agent, especially when it comes to our business owners. I've never had a business owner that written a policy in my office. I'm always at their place of business Mm because I know they're busy and that's how I take care of them. So um, I really enjoy working with the business owners. So um, that's what we focus on. So we help them out. We want to be like the one-stop shop. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I don't so, want you to have something over there and something over here. You just call me and I, I help you with everything. Very nice. So we have uh, a lot of business owners that are listeners to this podcast. Can you kind of maybe just give an example uh, without having, without giving any confidential information or anything like that, but just like a type of business that you've helped out, you know, like a, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a a flower shop or something like that. And then the types of insurance that 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 particular type of uh, business needs and and you'd be able to provide. Yeah. So what I found a lot of times is depending, uh, contractors usually need, you know, they need to have a general liability because they, it's required when they're working with some big companies and they want to, they want to be additional insured. So they go for the cheapest. So a lot of contractors only have like the liability, right? And they have tools and they have machinery and it gets stolen and they don't get it covered. So a lot of times, if let's say like a roofer, I cannot write a roofer. They need a specific kind of insurance. So, but I could still help them where I can give them like a, a policy that's going to cover their tools. So if, if uh, you know, they get stolen or they're left behind or that kind of stuff, and they get, you know, tools are expensive. Right. So a lot of the contractors um, I can write, and I also help them with getting their tools insured. Um, I help a lot of restaurants. I insure a lot, a lot of restaurants. My goal is to insure every restaurant in Round Rock. So nice, nice. I'm, I'm trying to do that. I'm hoping that they allow me to quote them. But I review the current policy and then I talk to them about it. What I've noticed, a lot of people, they just say, hey, I need a restaurant policy. And they get a quote and they take it. So when I'm talking to them, I, I go, hey, so if this place burns down, do you need to do the build out? Or is your le- no? I need it. so you don't have that insurance. How much did it cost you? Well, it cost me one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Okay, well we need to add that. If we need to replace everything, how much would it cost? You know, and then they tell me, and then I go through that way with them, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how how I help them out. Plus, a lot of them start telling me, you know, I have to hire a lot of people. And the other time I had a situation where someone said someone touched them inappropriately, and they wanted to sue me. That's a different kind of 
you know, so we want to talk to you about the employer kind of coverage. Well, what happens if somebody gets hurt in my, in, in, while they're working? That's the workman's comp kind of coverage. So we mm-hmm. kind of go through and make sure that they're insured completely and that they have, I just give them the information and they choose what they want. I don't tell them you need to get this and you, you know, I, here's what you need to have or what we recommend that you have. And then you tell me what you want. What percentage do you think you would say is like of your business is servicing uh, business owners or restaurants or something like that versus just a regular consumer? I, I would say the business owners are the ones that I talk to like 70% of the time. Oh, wow. Okay. Very nice. Yeah, because they have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. You know, they have a lot of stuff going on, you know, um, with the COVID, we, we, uh, with the COVID, I try to help them. I created a local restaurant Facebook page. I put my customers on there. I would send out pictures, you know, make sure you order from your local restaurants. I had a lot of people tell me, you know, give me their phone numbers, give me this. I mean, I had people saying, I want to order this, 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 and that. So I had to send them like their phone numbers. And then people that were not my customers started posting their restaurants and tagging the page. So helping, you know, other local restaurants. So, yeah, I would say I speak like on transactional and help 70% of the time are like uh, business. Very interesting. Um, So you talked a little bit about kind of, uh, you know, stuff you've done to help uh, your clients and businesses during COVID. Uh, Can you talk about how COVID affected your business? Yeah, so we actually were one of the lucky ones, right? Um, we closed our office down for three months. And what I'm saying closed it down was here physically, but we worked from home. Okay. So we were able to take the calls. Um, so what we started doing is, because it did slow down a little bit, like people weren't calling in with problems and issues. So what we did is we started calling our customers and just asking them how they were doing. You know, we're not trying to sell you anything. You know, how are you doing? What did you need? So we had a customer who told us that she couldn't get to the uh, grocery store. So we had her get her list and we went and picked it up for her. Wow. You know, then, you know, we just, there was a very few people that asked us to do stuff like that, but for the most part, we just wanted to make sure that they knew we cared and we were thinking about them because there's some people that are going through some really hard times and we, we want to make sure that they know that they can call us and tell us if they need help with the billing and that kind you definitely go above and beyond, that's for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of agents, there's a lot of insurances, so we need to make sure that we are, uh, you know, giving a different service and that they can count on us. Here's the way I tell my team, listen, you need to go above and beyond with every customer because they can just go online and do it. Right. You know, so they need to need us. Yeah. You know, so that I make sure that we do that for every single customer. And that's, that's a really great approach. And, and I'm sure it sounds like it's, it's paying off for you very, very well. Uh, and that kind of leads into my next question. I, um, can you talk about what the competition looks like in Austin? Is there, is there a lot of competition for, for insurance agencies uh, in the area in Central Texas? For like insurance or insurance agencies, like people that want to become agents? No, just, uh, you know, options like in, general? For, in general for options for people to like go and get auto insurance. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of insurances. I mean, there's insurances that are popping up from one day to the other that I don't even know anything about, you know? So there's a lot, a lot of options. The only thing that I would recommend to everybody, because they do have a lot of options, is that one, if you call somewhere and you just get a quote, you need to run. You need to get someone that's explaining to you the coverages and giving you different options. Because if it's like if you call the doctor and you said, I have a headache, and he goes, yeah, you have the flu, go get these medications without 
asking you any questions. You know, you just have to think about it that way. Right. Yeah, it sounds tempting because you're getting the least expensive price, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes they're surprised where they're just getting liability somewhere. And then I talk to them about the other coverages and it's like pennies more, you know? Right. Well, it makes so, sense to, to go ahead and just spend a little bit more, but you're going to get a lot more yeah. coverage. Like, yeah. If it's five, $10 a month, I, I, I joke with them. I said, what are you spending five $10 on coffee? You know, um, right. you know, so just, just, uh, in Spanish, we say pitos y flautas, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> pitos y flautas. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it just makes it, you want, you want to have an agent that you can trust that will be there when you need them, not just when they're selling you something, you know, when you have a claim that they go out there, they help you, they hold your hand if you need it, if you need it. And, um, that you're getting a company that's, that is behind them. You know, these companies that are popping up one day for the other, that's how quick they leave. Right. That's how quick they're gone. So if you have a major claim, are they going to be there when you need them? <laughs> you know, right, right. are they going to do what they need or are you going to be the one doing everything? Sure. So do most people, I mean, if they're, if they're going in to get auto insurance or home insurance or life insurance or business insurance, do they typically go into the office and meet with you face to face? Or, I mean, do you do some of this stuff on the phone as well? Most of the, most of everything is on the phone. Okay. Um, and not, and this is before the COVID. Okay. Like, you know, it's changing a lot. When I was in South Austin, I literally had to put chairs outside of my office because they would come on Saturday and then they would bring the whole family, right? The grandma came, <laughs> the kids came. So I had, to, I had to put the chairs all the way out so they, they could sit. It was just sure. so packed. And here in Round Rock, I do have people that prefer to do business, you know, and face-to-face. But I do have a lot of people that want to do everything on the phone. Businesses, we do face-to-face, but I usually go to them. When it comes to business, I don't do it over the phone. Every time it's face-to-face, we meet, I look at their location. You know, I also want to see where they're at because there might be discounts that I can give them. Sure. You know, so, um, and, and, you know, I think they feel comfortable that way that I know exactly what I'm insuring and that I'm looking at what I'm insuring. Um, but most, a lot of it is transactional over the phone. But, you Very know, with, with COVID, we've learned a different way. We can do Zoom, so we're actually seeing each other over the computer. That's right. Let's open up some different uh, opportunities. Yeah. Um, how do you get the word out for, to, to kind of grow your client base? Um, do you advertise for your particular office? Do you have a presence on social media? What's your approach typically? Um, I, will, I will tell you 60% of our customer base is referrals. Wow. And, and I worked really hard for that because, you know, when, when I came back, I kind of, people hadn't seen me for five, six years. So people kind of forgot about me. Then I had some people that would see me. Oh, you're the real estate lady, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll sell you a house if you want, but you know, <laughs> I'd rather insure it. Um, so I had to work really hard on that. So I do, I, I buy leads, you know, more leads at the beginning than now, because now it's more referral. So I buy leads. I do, um, have my Facebook. I do my Instagram, but I'll be honest. I'm not really good at that. I did have a search engine optimization company working for me, mm-hmm. but you know, with state firms a little bit harder, everything's monitored. We have firewalls everywhere. It's not like they can come in and just do what they want because everything's kind of like state farm has a big thumb on it. Right. So they did what they could and there's just so much. So I do a lot of not now, obviously, but I do a lot of events. I do a lot of uh, networking and I, I just tell every customer, listen, I'm growing my business by referrals. I would love to have customers like yourself. If you feel I did a great job for you, can you refer me? And most customers do. That's great. Most that's business great. owners, no business owners. Sure. You know? So that's where I, I get most of my customer base. 
Well, you it sounds like you provide a very personal, good service to to all your clients. Um, can you kind of, it, for someone starting their own business today, a young person, a young entrepreneur, what kind of advice would you pass along to them from your experiences in, in, in the business world? The first thing I would say, just go for it. Many businesses don't get started because of fear, you know, and, and you just need to do it. But the second thing that I would do is get the right people in the right place. Don't try to do everything, you know, get your accountant, get your payroll company, you know, get the person that's going to paint your location. Too many people are, are wanting to do everything and they burn out. And, yeah. and I did it. You know, I burned out. I ended up sick. I ended up in the hospital because I got sick with a bunch of stuff. But, you know, um, you know I, I came back more knowledgeable and I, and I was able to get the right people. You know, I don't want to worry about having to do my own taxes. I got my CPA and my accountant, my bookkeeper, you know. Mm -hmm. I just want to, I just want to scan my receipts. I don't want to do anything else. Uh, you know, I got the payroll company that does the payroll, you know, as many things as I can, you know, get somebody else to do it, do it. And you focus on training your team, selling, you know, being there for your customers and, um, you know, depending whatever it is, you know, just focus on the income producing activities. Gotcha. That's what you need to do. Focus on income producing activities and everything else can wait. That's great advice. Do it, yeah. It's great advice. Uh, in closing here, um, difficult question uh, for a lot of people, and I'm sure for yourself. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin uh, or Central Texas area? Running areas. Okay, Joseph. So I'm a foodie. So I basically there's not a restaurant that I that I haven't met that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but I will. I ha I have two restaurants that I love. And both of them are my customers. And I just have to give props to them because we love them. So one of them is in Georgetown. He used to be in Round Rock and now he's in Georgetown. And it's Fuego Latino Gastro Pub. Okay. Amazing food. He's an amazing chef. He's came out. He's came. He's gotten recognized by news stations, by a food network, by, you know, different places. You have to try this. It's Fuego Latino Gastro Pub. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the other one would be um, Tequila Bar and Grill in, in uh, Round Rock. Very nice. He's also a great customer. He's from Jalisco. Uh-huh. And really good food, very good margaritas. <laughs> so great place to kind of go have happy hour and have some, some amazing – those two places. You need to try them, Joseph. You're making me hungry. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, uh, Alejandra. Listeners, I encourage you to to check out uh, Alejandra's State Farm Agency for, for any insurance you may need. Uh, Alejandra, how, what's the best way people can find you? Do you have a website? Uh, what can you like I do. tell us? So my website is um, alexdelatorre.net. Okay. So I, I have Alex for short or else it just be too long, right? Or can I give my number? Sure, absolutely. It's really easy. 512-244-3311. Excellent. And then I'll, I'll tag your uh, your website and telephone number on our, on the, the podcast so folks can see that as well. Um, mm -hmm. you, you, sound, you, you, you provide a great personal service to people. You go above and beyond. And I really encourage listeners to, to talk to you, give you a call, and learn more about uh, the different insurance coverage that you offer and, and hopefully get you some more business. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Hey, thank you, Joseph, and, and, and I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to our third episode for Hispanic Heritage Month. We would also like to give a special thanks to the Greater Austin Hispanic Chamber of Commerce 
for helping us identify these awesome guests for our series. Again, we appreciate all of you that listened, and if you enjoyed what you've heard, please consider giving us a good review. Stay tuned next week for our last episode in the Hispanic Heritage Month series. As always, take care and stay healthy.